Good evening, folks, and welcome to Cannabis Network Radio. I'm your host, Nikki Allen Poe. Tonight, we are very excited to get some time to know the man behind Cannabis Network Media Group. You hear his voice every Monday and Wednesday at 8 p.m., but do you know the man behind the curtain? Tonight, we'll find out when we interview CEO of Cannabis Network Media Group, David Kowalski. Now, Dave is also my co-host. He found me like a child floating down the river in a basket and brought me into the world of Cannabis Network Media. So for that, I thank him, and I'm looking very forward to spending some time getting to know him. Dave, now that I'm just done praising you, are you there? Who's your Moses now? (laughs) How you doing, Poe? I'm doing good, Dave. <laughs> Long day. Today we announced Smoke Down Prohibition 10, Dawn of the Dank. So took the whole day getting that ready, but we're really excited. We're coming back on October 26th at the Liberty Bell. We're encouraging everyone to come out dressed in Halloween costumes. And in the very least, you get carted off, you know, dressed up like a pirate or, you know, a chicken a bra with bunny ears or whatever. I think everyone should come dressed up like Cheech and Chong. Uh, bad yeah, idea. That scratch that. Scratch that. No, bad bad idea. Bad idea. Not the message you want to give. <laughs> yeah. So. Everyone should come in a suit, I think. So we're looking forward to that. How's your How's your week been, Dave? you got a, a lot going on. I have all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, we got uh, Cannabis uh, Network Media Group. Uh, let's, like, you know, been taking up a lot of my time. The radio network's going on. We got uh, Rick Husick, uh, you know, publisher, system publisher, High Times on Wednesday. Been chatting with him a little bit about things. Um, yeah, I mean, just you know, working web stuff. You know, kind of, kind of feel like the ringleader of of a circus at the moment. Um, but lots of great stuff is uh, coming up in in the near future, and lots of of significant changes that if a month ago you would have asked me. Uh, you know, definitely would have sound, wouldn't have sounded the same way. But uh, I'm very optimistic and very excited for uh, so many things to come. And uh, I don't think that the uh, Northeast has any clue what they're in store for. <laughs> no, Dave, and and, and I'm you know I'm continuing. I'm loving continuing breaking the you know lazy cliche of stoners because you know the time we spend. This isn't an easy business. It's just like any other business. And you know. I look forward to breaking the cliches down with you. So, speaking of chatting, if you're listening to the show, jump into the chat room. Ed, the engineer, just he watches porn during the whole the whole show. He presses a button and he watches porn. Give him something to do. Jump in the chat room. If you have any questions for us? If you have any questions for Dave? Please feel free to give them. We're going to go to a song, and then we'll be back with my exclusive interview with David Walk. Yep. Thank goodness. Here we come. Just relax, relax, 
Cannabis Network Radio. I am your host, Nikki Allen Poe. Tonight, we are interviewing CEO of Cannabis Network Media Group, Dave Kowalski. Me and Dave are usually working together. Today, we're just going to step apart. We have a fire in the studio. It's lit in the background. We're both in comfy <coughs> leather chairs. Sorry, I had to okay. Yeah. The music's low, and then we're, we're just going to get in. So, Dave, I'd like to welcome you to our show. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. This is kind of a uh, unique, um, yeah. It's, yeah little, it's surreal. I mean, if you get involved with an idiot comic, uh, oh, hosting uh, your show, uh, stuff like that is going to happen. Yeah, well, Dave, yeah. we recently met, almost in a fatalistic way. We both were up on the hill, you know, at 420 for the second day of the Boston Freedom Rally. You worked your way down to Philly, came to smoke down Prohibition, we really got a nice vibe going. Uh, we're both pretty involved with the direct action side of activism, which is what draw me, drew me to working to you. So why don't you let the viewers of the show know how important the idea of direct action activism is in just the general um, concept of Cannabis Network Media Group? Well, I mean... Direct action. I'm. I'll put it out there like this. Direct action is definitely not for everyone, and I and I don't look down on the people that that choose not to participate. You know. I, you know what? I'm going to digress for a minute. That's not true. Civil disobedience is part of direct action, and you know, direct action is something that people can do as easily as sharing. You know, one of our shows, um, or sharing an article with their friends. Um, Direct action really is meaning you're taking an action to directly affect uh, legalization in the grand scheme of things. Um, in a grander scale, it means getting your butt off the couch or away from the computer or taking a day off of work or taking a couple hours away from, you know, watching your reality TV show and, you know, whatever the nonsense might be that you're doing and, you know, spend a little bit of time uh, talking to a friend, a neighbor, a family member. Uh, about cannabis, uh, educating people. Um, direct action is, you know, putting yourself, you know, uh, taking a direct action, doing action yourself to affect positive change um, on legalization. Uh, direct action activism is, you know, really being a part of the movement. Um, you know, when you get into different levels of direct action, some people, uh, dis you know, have, I guess, a... Um, have a problem differentiating civil disobedience with direct action. Not all forms of direct action are civil disobedience. 
Um, for example, uh, on a very large scale, one of the biggest, actually the biggest direct action movement in the world is set to take place uh, with the support of the cannabis community. Uh, the Weed Not Greed Tour uh, is actually going to be an actual uh, direct action tour. It is going to be the largest direct action movement event whatever you want to call it uh, in the world uh, on a global scale um, never has something of this magnitude uh, ever been done in terms of direct action for legalization of marijuana um, it is something that I have been working on for three years just about um, it has been a task it's been a trial there's been people that have supported us um, and contributed and helped out and we appreciate everybody and we haven't forgotten about any of you um, and you're all going to be a part of this. Um, and uh, 2014 uh, is an election year um, for, you know, most states, governments, uh, etc. And uh, our goal is to get out as early in 2014 as possible um, with the Weed Not Greed Tour and start our direct action mission to educate people. Uh, because education really is the is the key in my opinion education is the key to legalization because legalization uh, starts as a, as a social movement uh, because social f affects the political and when you educate the public that creates a social buzz the social buzz turns into more people talking to more people about it um, and educating people properly um, with the resources and and the tools and the people that we're going to be affiliated with with the weed not greed tour we're going to be able to to educate people from all levels. I mean, you know, we're looking to have attorneys, uh, you know, officials, um, you know, people from LEAP, uh, norm, all different types of organizations and professionals, from doctors to lawyers to, you know, politicians to aspiring politicians, um, are all going to be part of the tour at some point, speaking to people, educating people about the benefits of cannabis. And that's why I feel that the Weed Not Greed cannabis education tour um, is, is crucial, especially at this pivotal moment in time um, for everyone to take part in and to contribute to and for the cannabis uh, community in a whole West Coast, East Coast, you know, uh, you know, even even outside the country, you know, get on board, contribute, help. You know, it's not necessarily only going to be about, you know, money per se. We're going to need everything from like, you know, food vouchers, you know, flying vouchers, fuel costs, um, you know, restaurant, you know, anything that people want to contribute, they won't, don't feel comfortable contributing money, uh, you know, send us some gift cards, you know, for something we can use for essentials, for food, for, you know, fuel, things like that. I mean, this tour is... for my bunghole. Yep, exactly, you know. And Dave, uh, the, the Weed Not Greed site is up and running. It's not complete, but if you take a look at some of the pictures of Dave on the road, Dave, you get around. I have a, you know, I have a background... Um, in traveling with rock bands and stuff like that. We both had, you know, pretty interesting lives. Uh, you know, what really sounds fun is, like you were saying, I want to meet people that don't think marijuana should be legalized. I want to sit down and talk to them. I want to walk into a bar in Arkansas and talk to some, you know, convince a group of people, because getting out on the street and actually convincing people, the people that are watching the CNN Sanjay Gupta special, and, you know, people out there that they don't smoke marijuana. I think that you know the, we've reached the part of the movement where it's time to to go to go get that. Well, now really is the time for the Weed Not Greed tour to launch. You know, back in 2010, it might have not have been the ideal time, but with the amount of of I'm going to say general media that is you know an exposure to the world of cannabis right now, um, now really is the time and the best time for the tour to kick off. And the way I'm glad that, you know, we didn't get rushed into, and I guess everything happens for a reason. Um, and I believe in that, you know, firmly. And, you know, I, I'm one of those people also that believes in, in sticking with, with what I say I'm going to do. And I said, you know, back in 2010, I'm going to do this Weed Not Greed tour. And I know it didn't work out the way that it did, but I didn't give up on it. And, you know, just like anything else, you know, persistence does pay off. And now really is the, the most pivotal and crucial point for this Weed Not Greed Tour to get underway, and I'm really excited about it. You know, and speaking of, of, of you know, being able to, to get out to people, when we were talking with Dustin last week, um, you know, the concept of being able to potentially have the Weedalicious, you know, uh, movie on board the bus and when we stop and kind of set up an outdoor 
movie theater slash event thing too to educate people that in itself is cool and the advantage to having you know a tour bus like we're going to have a 45 foot tour bus is the fact that you know we are kind of a moving uh, not only just just a billboard advocating you know an education and and information and the opportunity for the staff is going to be on the tour with us to educate people is when we stop we actually have our almost our own venue as well so yeah and, and there's so many talented people involved in this movement you know one of the things that drew me into it you know comics activists entertainers there's so many people that want to legalize marijuana they find so many fun ways to do it i mean you got to think about it of all the things you know you're trying to legalize you know it's really fun to get behind something when there's so many creative people involved now dave i had a brush with activism i showed up at occupy philly and um just decided that we were going to stay there and videotape the whole time for 60 days now throughout that whole time that i was there i kind of got co-opted by a lot of the different kinds of people were there and i really started to feel, you know, this way about causes. Is there a moment in your life that you can trace back to when, you know, it's time for me, David Kowalski, to get my ass off the couch and do something? Well, I, I never really have been an on-the-couch kind of a person. You know, I, I've always been, I've fully immersed myself in everything I've, I've always done. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that when I, when I pick up, whether it be a hobby, a job, or whatever the case is, I do put myself... 100% into it. Now, with activism, you know, I did not know what I was getting myself into. I mean, to be completely honest with you, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to start Cannabis Information Network, and it's going to be simple. Why? Because everyone loves pot, and all these people are making money, and they're going to support the cause, and, you know, it's going to grow, and it's going to be big, and it's going to be, you know, whatever, and, and, you know, no problem, you know, whatever. Well, um, no. <laughs> Not so much. Um, it's it's. I can definitely say, uh, cannabis information network to what it's evolved to today with cannabis network media group, cannabis network radio, uh, the Weed Not Greed uh, cannabis education tour um, has taken a lot, a lot from me uh, personally, mentally, uh, financially. Um, it's affected my family. It's affected people close to me. Um, it has, in some aspects, you know, tore people away from me. Um, but it's something that I am committed to. You know, people say that, you know, uh, numerous people, family, friends, people in my life, you know, do get a real job. Do something that, that's going to make a difference. You know, and, and, and I'm sitting here. It's like I've been doing this for, you know, really all hard you know, hard on, uh, you know, full force since 2010. And I committed my everything to doing this after kind of stepping away from a whole nother industry that I made a pivotal change to as well. in in, in some form of activism, you know, as, as well. Um, and my reasoning behind it is just, I had a friend that got sick and she chose cannabis oil and it cured her cancer killed her cancer she's been cancer free never did chemotherapy anything like that and and that kind of was an insp real kick in the butt for me to kind of just say all right i want i want to do this um i attended a few rallies and i kind of looked at everything and i'm like man you know what it is these these people out there they they have this passion but they don't have one, one of one of the biggest one of the biggest things i have seen in the activist cannabis movement is the professional business people are few and far between. And I don't really per se like to, to categorize myself as a professional business person, but I'm also not like one of those people that that drives up in my, you know, VW bus, you know, uh. that, you know, has yeah like I'm an urban hippie. I'm not a hippie by, by any you know, by any means. I love you know, like I like to call but, myself a digital hippie. Digital happy. Because it's the 21st century, you know, you know uh, I still have that kind of mindset, but, you know, you can't live that way and be taken seriously, which, you know. You know, um, yeah, I mean, but when I started in 2010, like, the cannabis industry, even though it's only three years ago, four years ago, it's it, it was a baby. You know, like like all these big ganjapreneurs and, and, and these big businesses that are, that are, you know, big money businesses that are coming out of this, 
were not even in existence really then. So when I went to a few of these different rallies, I'm like looking at these people, I'm like, and listening to these people speak, I'm like, oh, they're just getting the messaging wrong. You know, it's, it's not about, I, I, don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but there's a way to talk to people when you captivate them. And in order to change a person's perspective on something, you need to captivate them. You can't go in with conspiracy theories and anti and, 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 and screaming and yelling because that doesn't work. You need to go in with information. You need to go in with fact. You need to go in with compassion and understanding of both sides of the story. And you can't be dismissive of what you know, the anti-movement tells you because, you know, if you dismiss it right away, it causes controversy. And when you have controversy, people go ahead and already put up their, you know, whatever, put the earmuffs on. They want to listen to what you have to say. So you really have to, to understand and accept people for who they are. Um, you know, I, you know, have, have done the full, you know, spectrum of it. I put the suit on and been in, you know, Tallahassee, uh, you know, doing the politics side of it, you know, but I'm a flip-flop shorts and t-shirt kind of guy that, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. And, you know, you have seen me and heard me speak. You've seen me in action. You've seen what I do. And I do what I do with a passion and an aggressiveness that, you know, I'm just going and doing. It's not like, you know, this is, this is a mission. This is a goal. This is something I have put my life my everything into because it's not just it's not about me it's not about it's not about like it, it's definitely the end result's not about me the end result is about getting something legalized getting a plant legalized that never should be should have been illegal to begin with there are people children adults old people people of all ages walks of life that are suffering and because they don't have a choice to use cannabis or they're afraid to use it because they think it's not good for them or because they believe in the reefer madness. And it's so important to educate these people. And it's, and, and it's so much not about me. It's so much about just being able to help people and seeing the difference in people's lives. You know, just the other day I was somewhere and somebody stopped me and like, hey, you're that marijuana guy, you know, whatever. And this is here in Tampa. They wanted a picture with me. Granted, it's one guy out of a million. But you know what? That's one guy. I have no idea who they are, but recognized me from, you know, wherever, Facebook or some event or something like that. And you know what? That's kind of cool. I mean, it's not like I got paparazzi following me around, but when some random guy just picks me out of nowhere and wants a picture with me and comes up to me and, like, you know, tells me how he's privileged to meet me, that means, you know what? I affected that person's life in a positive way. And, and to me, that's what makes it worthwhile. To me, yeah, Dave, it's, it's funny. I, well, I'll be on the, I'll be walking around the city on, on a date with my girlfriend, and, and homeless people will be like, "Hey, you're Poe," you know, uh, because I lived with a lot of them in Occupy Philly. So when we first started dating, that was uh, pretty interesting. To uh, you just have people randomly stop you on the street, but you know that happens to me here in Philly too. And you know, everyone that does it is supportive, and that's enough for me. Like you said, we don't necessarily. Well, hey, I would love to be a famous comedian traveling the world smoking marijuana. At the same time, I'm working very hard to legalize marijuana. Like you said, a lot of people are affected. I just liked pot for the longest time. And then I started meeting people that had PTSD, had cancer. And you know what? They become an inspiration, you know, for your work. And uh, yeah. you know, that, I think that's very important because uh, people you know, need to realize that it's not just a bunch of stoners. You know, I'll tell you something. You know, people, you know, some of the some of the best conversations and and some of the best I guess motivation I have had, you know, and and it really is it really is a sacrifice, you know. What what I I will say this straight out, what I ha, what I am doing and what I have done has adversely affect my affected my life almost in a fifty percent capacity as it has a positive effect on my life because. Certain people in my life just can't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, no matter how I put it out there. You know, they don't understand real, you know, I guess what it is, is the people that are closest to me don't really realize how big of an impact I have outside of my home or my life because it's just something they can't understand. You know, I, it, it's it's hard for me to explain, and, and I probably sound kind of foolish saying that now, but it's like if, if these people who have decided to, 
to like you know tear away from me in life and who have looked at me and you know scoffed at me you know or say that i'm amounting to nothing or i have no aspirations or i have no drive or i have no this it's like they need to step back and look at me because i have been doing this with my everything for for a very long time and and i'm and i'm and i'm putting myself out there you know in in really the line of fire just like you you know to to really stand up and be the voice for people who either can't or are afraid to go ahead and have their voice heard i'm fighting for them i'm fighting for for everyone out there who who doesn't who who can't for whatever reason and i'm not saying in a critical way who can't have their voice heard i want to be the voice of those people i that's what i want the cannabis network media group to be that's what i want cannabis that's what i want the cannabis information network to be i'm here for the people we're here for the people you know we're here yes. to 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 support to give to give a voice and not only that but you know segue into weed not greed do you know how empowering it will be to people who are afraid to come out of that proverbial closet you know when they see a bus pulling up somewhere that's like boom it's right there these guys are not afraid to come out and talk about it they're like you know you know i hate you know i'm not gonna i don't hate to use the term but loud and proud i mean you know i'll tell you something you can learn a lot from from the gay and lesbian movements you know they came out of the closet they were loud and proud and we need to do the exact same thing that's the way to get things done and that's what i believe in is letting your voice heard i'm not in the closet anymore i've put myself out there you know, in regard you to your first, Dave, not anymore. <laughs> I am yeah. not in the cannabis closet anymore. No, I am not in the cannabis closet anymore. I've put myself out there. I have, <laughs> I have put myself in really, you know, you, you know, you joke about it or seriously say about it. I have no doubt that who knows any number of, 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 uh, you know, uh, lettered agencies are tracking and monitoring and whatever the case is. And, you know, it all comes with being an activist. It all comes with putting yourself out there. You know, and I and I I know I am not doing anything wrong. I operate within my constitutional rights of what I'm doing, and and I think that what I do, everyone should have have no fear of doing to be outspoken, to not be afraid to lose their job, to not be afraid to be ostracized, not be afraid to lose their boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, to not be afraid to go ahead and and lose family members and people that are close to them because, you know, they they feel uncomfortable or, or whatever with what they're saying or doing. You know, if a person is passionate enough to devote themselves to this and go around the country, go around the world, actually, and advocate for something they believe in and they do it again and again and again and again and they're not knocked down and they keep going and going and going you got to give that person credit you know um you know one of the biggest controversies i've had is well you're you don't have no problem getting arrested well i do have a problem getting arrested I, i you know i do i'm not looking to get arrested you know what people need to understand is that when you're a direct action advocate and you do an act of civil disobedience you're not. You don't go out there with the intention to get arrested. But you know you're running the risk. You know you're running the risk, but that's not the goal. That's not why you're doing what you're doing. You're not trying to to go ahead and and, and you're not trying to get arrested. You're not saying, yeah, I'm going to get arrested. You know that that's not the goal. That's not the, that's not the ultimate goal of of your direct actions. Not the ultimate goal of your civil disobedience. It's because you're standing up for something that you believe in so passionately that you are willing to go ahead and jeopardize your freedoms, you know, which really shouldn't even be a, a topic of conversation, but you're willing to jeopardize your freedoms for something that you believe in so passionately that you will fight through the system as well, just like what you're doing. You're not just going to sit down and take it, you know, whatever. We're going to fight every single step of the way, and every time that, you know, you got to go to court and you got to this, until we get this whole thing squashed, it's going to be a statement. A statement that's going to be made about what they're doing is a violation of your civil rights and a violation, technically, of the Constitution. Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of just disgusting. Like, and another thing, you were talking about family members. You know, it's a very interesting thing. My mother, when I was arrested, I was arrested and put in federal detention for five days, for those of you listening that don't know this, for being an organizer here in Philly of the Smoke Down Prohibition rallies. Well, my mother and father just were pretty unaware of what was going on. And I'll never forget coming out of jail, walking outside, and there being like 50 or 60 people there waiting for me to come out of jail. My mom was one of them, and, you know, she grabbed me afterwards, and she said, you know, I never knew that so many people, you know, supported what you guys are doing and such wonderful people. So, you know, it's those people. It's, 
it's the moms and dads, it's the people in their 50s, it's the people you know, that are in the cannabis closet. We need to continue to push for them and innovate, and we'll take the risk. But we're asking you, at some point, you need to come up and, you know, you need to support us as, uh, you know, being the frontline, you know, guys on this stuff because, you know, there is a lot of risk involved. I, I'm not going to say, you know what, I think there's, a, you know, I can't speak for you because what happened, let me digress. I am confident to say that if I would have been at that event that you got yourself into the whole thing of, it might have been a little bit of a different situation. Um, I don't know for sure, but, you know, just from my own personal experiences of, of, of somewhat similar situations in the past and being present at, but nonetheless the risk is a lot less than what it used to be and one of the biggest things about educating people is knowing what the law is and knowing what your constitutional rights are because if you know what your rights are truly and you know what the law is and you can express that to the people in a very outspoken manner it makes you more powerful. It takes away the unknown. It takes away not knowing the law. Listen, 80% of people that get busted in their cars with you know, cannabis is because they don't know what their rights are. They don't understand they have the right to refuse a search. You know, when I cops, do not consent when, to searches. When cops tell you, oh, we'll make it easier, we'll make it better, they have no authority to make any deals with you. It's not up to them. They're just blowing smoke up your ass. You know, people don't understand. The problem is, is that cops intimidate people. Law enforcement, that's what they are supposed to do. Law enforcement doesn't intimidate me. I'm not afraid of them. Why? Because I know what my rights are. And if they want to violate my rights, that that's their choice to do. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the best thing uh, that you could say. Knowing your rights, it completely... Uh, allows you to not be manipulated. We had a friend the other evening in uh, Philadelphia. He was in Delaware, and he got pulled over in a small town, small amount of marijuana on him. He took out his camera to film them, and he got beat. He got beat by the cops. They messed up his ocular, you know, cavity or whatever they call that thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, they brought him to the hospital where they gave him a nice prescription of Percocet for the beat down that the cops gave to him. So, uh Quick well wishes to Mike Murray out there. Mike, we appreciate all your support. Well, what I would say in that case is subpoena the footage because everything now is supposed to be recorded um, by traffic stops. File suit against the police department and, uh, you know, start taking action and, and, you know, call up the media, get pictures taken, write some stories, get out there and, and let it know. And listen, just because you know your rights doesn't mean that you're not going to go ahead and, and be violated. Now, right. I guess a person like me, I have a little bit of... of of a leg up because you know if I'm gonna stand my ground cops kind of think twice about wanting to do that dance with me um, but none nonetheless you know it's still about knowing the law and knowing your rights and not being intimidated by the police it's if you take away that you know as as you know I do when I go someplace I tell people I'm coming there I notify you know Law enforcement. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. This, I'm I'm exercising my First Amendment right, and my constitutional right. I'm going to be on public property. I know where I'm allowed to stand. I know where I'm allowed to be. I know where I'm allowed to, you know, send things out. I'm I'm I'm, you know, I know these things, and you can't tell me I'm not allowed to. And if they tell me I'm not allowed to, I've been known to call up chiefs of police. I've been known to call news media on the spot saying people are violating my constitutional rights. I have been known to, you know, just call everybody I know, you know, from from ACLU attorneys to, you know, going down the list because, you know, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I'm going to be protected by my civil and constitutional rights. And I don't care what police officer, whatever the case is, they don't have the authority to supersede my constitutional rights and my civil liberties. You know, they don't have, yeah, well, they don't have that authority. <clears throat> they seem to think they have that authority in this day and age, and they rely on people being scared in the post-9-11 world. Um, and, you know, live, you know, fear is, 
is the most, you know, does it the most for control, in my right. opinion. Just don't be afraid. There's is, nothing you know, to be afraid of. to do things. There's nothing to be afraid of, There's nothing, especially when it comes to cops. I mean, listen, think about it. You pay your taxes, you pay the salary of the police. You know, the biggest problem people have is they get cocky, they get belligerent. Instead of being factual and straightforward, you know, people start mouthing off to cops. Cops get pissed off when you mouth off at them. That's not how to, you know, whatever. If you go ahead and start asking questions, like not in terms of like trying to pick a fight, you know, for example, when I get pulled over, and it happens a lot because whatever, the cops find one reason or another to pull me over because probably my license plate is flagged and, you know, they run it randomly, which, by the way, is also a violation of your constitutional rights, but that's a whole different topic. So when they pull me over, I actually get out of my car and I lock my door. You know, they always tell you stay inside your vehicle. You know, they don't have a right to tell you that. You know, they say it's for your own safety. You know, what I say is, look, I'm standing out in front of you in wide open visibility. You can see me from head to toe. I'm not in my car. You can't see me reaching for anything. You can't. You're more safe with me standing out here in full plain sight than, you, than I am sitting in your car. The reason why they want you to sit in your car is so you have your window open when they come over, so they can look inside your car and smell your car and snoop around. Because if you never notice, that's what they do. They're shining a flashlight in your car, they're looking around. They're trying to find things to go ahead and ask you questions about, so on and so forth. Now, if you get out of your car and you stand there and you say, "Look, I'm not," you know, and you. But, you know, you say, look, I'm just here. I'm, I'm, you know, standing outside. I'm in plain view. You know, I have nothing, you know, whatever the case, and tell you to get back in the car. You say, I'm more comfortable standing out here. And they have no right to make you get back in the vehicle. Now, I say lock your car. Why do I say lock your car? Because then it turns into a class one search warrant. If they want to search your vehicle and you say no, they have to go ahead and get a search warrant. Then secondly, so if you have a locked glove compartment in your car, they have to get a search warrant for your locked glove compartment on top of your locked vehicle. You know, and that's all part of, of you know, your, your constitutional rights of illegal search and seizure, et cetera, et cetera, um, which is a whole nother topic. You know, it, it's... <clears throat> You know, I walk around in cannabis T-shirts. I walk around, you know, obviously cops see me. They make their comments. They make this. They make that. You know, and I don't let any of it bother me. You know, it's like I, I have that thousand-yard stare, I guess. You know, and it's it's they, they, they just don't – I'm not intimidated by, by them. You know, like, you know, uh, three things can happen with your interaction with the police. You're going to get in handcuffs. You're going to get shot, or they're going to go away. <laughs> you know and yeah. that, that's I never thought about it like that. that that's that's really it i mean that that's really the three options of what's going to happen you end up in handcuffs they're going to go away or you're going to get shot tased whatever shooting and tased falls in the same category you know if you're belligerent chances are you can end up in handcuffs you do something stupid you'll end up getting shot you stand your ground and you know your laws and you know what you're talking about and you just stay calm and you're not nervous and jittery and you just kind of look at them with a cool, calm, collect thing, it takes away their power. Just to maintain that, that, that median calm takes away their power. Yeah, they'll still, still probably beat you, at least in Philadelphia. Dave. I guess we'll find out. You know, yeah, you will find <laughs> out the, because that kind of the, leads me into my next question. The park police didn't do nothing to me when I was there last time. Yeah. <laughs> You're very passionate, Dave, the way you speak. But as I get to know you, I get to learn the more sensitive side of Dave Kowalski. So, Dave, you're a single guy. You're coming up to the Northeast. Why don't you tell me what your dream woman is? And if you could spend... Paint for me the perfect Dave Kowalski first date. Wow. Um, you're, you're really... Uh putting me in, a, in an awkward position at the moment. Isn't that why you hired me? <laughs> um, wow. You know, this, this is going to sound sappy um, and, and kind of really a killer for, for any, like, first date opportunities, but, you know, my heart... Um, is given away. Okay, so 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 you're you're just you're you're at, you're you're not emotionally available. Um, definitely not emotionally available. That that that's for sure. I mean, listen, 
you know, I guess it, it is what it is. It's, it's a very difficult question for me to answer. You know, it's it's a point of, you know, it's something that we haven't, like, I guess, really discussed or whatever that much. You know, it's it's listen, as I said, what I do has taken an effect on my life, you know, in, in numerous ways. Um, you know, unfortunately, the people that that. um you know, I guess you think are going to stand by you for whatever reasons don't, you know, and listen, you know, life is, is always one of those. Listen, I, I have had my share of ups and downs and I have done shitty things and I've done things wrong and I have been, you know, dishonest and, you know, all those things like, like any other person in the world has ever been, I've done all those things, you know, and I have strived really over, you know, being an act, one of the, one of the, I guess one of the greatest things about, I guess, becoming an activist is really becoming learning more about yourself in so many different ways and then interacting with other people and seeing how actions and reactions and and things like that transpire, you know, and, and it it has given me a lot to, to go on and and grow on. And, you know, I'm never going to be a perfect person. I'm never going to be, you know, whatever, you know, I, I hope that at some point in time, somebody somewhere will, will, you know, like me and accept me and love me for who I am. You know, I'm a person that's that's passionate about everything I do. I have a lot of love to give people. I care about the person that's that's closest to me in in my life. I go out of my way to to not really go out of my way, but. You know, it's those little things that that I like doing for for a person in my life. I want someone that's going to support me and understand me and be there for me and understand that, you know what, shit happens sometimes, you know, and and, you know, I I stumble and I fall. But damn it, I'll pick myself up and I will, you know, make right. I'll I'll make it right. I'll do the right thing and and I'll I'll do it better. And, uh, you know, um, that's Yep. You know, and that's, and that's really, I mean, and that's really what has been my drive really for the last, uh, I'm going to say probably three, four years, you know, has been to learn from, from all the, the, the wrong, you know, I, I have, I have, I have done wrong, you know, to, 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 you know, the course of my life, you know, and, and, and I'm not a taker anymore. I'm a giver. You know, I'm somebody that, 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 you know, I, I don't know whether it, it's just weird. I mean, you know, listen, I've always, I've always strived to be the best person I can be. No one can be perfect. You know, my perfect, my perfect woman, my perfect woman was, was the woman I had for seven, you know, plus years in my life. Obviously I wasn't perfect for her, but you know, she was perfect for me. Um, I want somebody that's going to support me, someone that's going to be there for me when I come home, somebody that I'm going to be sh- to share my life together with, you know, those those little random bits of this and that, you know, somebody who who understands me, somebody who understands what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and somebody who's who who supports and stands by what I choose to do. And some, you know, I, be, I believe in, you know, as savvy sense, I believe in true love. I believe that when two people love each other and have a love for each other, they stick by each other side by side and they go through what life hands them. Good, bad, ugly, great, successful, you know, downsides. That's what, that's what love is. I'm not going to say that's what marriage is, but that's what true love is. You know, that's, that's somebody that, you know, says, you know, oh, you need to go here to do this. I'm with you. You need to change here. I'm with you. Um, you know, it might be a struggle. It might be difficult. It might be whatever the case is, but I'm there for you. That's what you're supposed to do. Both sides. You're there for them. They're there for you, you know, and, and being an activist and learning to be an activist, I've learned that even more so because in this community, we have to watch each other's back. And it's more than just, it's a bond and a relationship that you develop with everyone in this, in this movement. Because there's, and you never know when something negative is going to affect them. And you know, when, when that negativity or when those bad things happen, you have a hundred people behind you that are going to be there for you. And it doesn't matter what it is. People make stupid decisions and you know what? You're still there for them and you're still there backing them up, you know, for whatever reasons it is. Cause that's just the passion that we have. Um, and you know, when you make a commitment to, to somebody and when someone really gives their everything to you and to be there for you then that really is you know 
something that that that's important to me you know and and i really hope that there's somebody out there you know for me that that can understand the complexity of what i am because yes i'm a driven i'm a passionate i'm an outspoken i i am a intimidating rough exterior you know demand not really demanding i'm not demanding when it comes to like my personal life but demanding you know in regard to like what i'm doing and how i do it and and i'm also uh, you know as as you've called me before just a teddy bear you know as well um you know so so i have a unique perspective on things and i'm an over logical person as well so that's you know both a, 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 a an attribute and and a non attribute <laughs> so yeah, well, to answer Dave's question, he just he just wants to make dinner at home with you, lie on the couch, throw on some Netflix, pack the hash pen, you know, and continue yes. to plan world domination while he has you in his arms. So, yes. you know, Dave, I, I wanted I wanted to touch a little bit because we can get to know each other a little better, and I just wanted the Cannabis Network radio <laughs> listeners to know that when you look at Dave. Does he look like he's going to have twelve other guys on Harley's behind him with whips and <laughs> and, and, and you know uh, you know chains, maybe? <laughs> deep, deep down, you know he's just a teddy bear. So, Dave, I thank you. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I feel like you know it's important for people to know, especially when we're looking for support from out there. You know, if you look Listen. at Poe and Dave, you know I look like um, you know uh, Serpico, <laughs> and, and you look like. You look, you know, it's I, nice to know that underneath his exteriors and the jokes and, you know, the direct action, that there's just some nice, sensitive guys that, that, that are trying to do their best after they've been uh, through a lot of different things in their lives that, that have led them to this point. So I feel like, it, you know, that's integral to, to the message of Cannabis Network Media Group as well, because uh, we're learning every day, and we know that. I guess to put it in a nutshell, I'm just a guy looking for a girl to love me, you know, truly love me for who I am, and that's really what it is. I can't wait till we get these phone lines up and running. Dave, I'm gonna be running the fucking dating game and shit for Ed on here. Oh my god, Ed had Ed had that idea actually when I was in you know like a while back. He one of the shows if you listen to it, I think it was like the 420 live event. Ed like put out there an idea of it. You should you should listen to that episode about like his whole dating idea of of whatever the case is. But uh, nonetheless, listen, we could have we could have like a stoner. uh, We'll have like a stoner. Look, to all the to all to get interact. Active. We're going to get interactive with the show continually. We're looking <laughs> to engage the audience, and we're looking for you know you guys to get involved. So you know, hoping in the future we'll be giving away some T-shirts and having some contacts. I got T-shirts to give away. I got T-shirts to give away. I do. Um, like if there's something like, you know, if someone wants to go ahead and uh, to like, you know, do something or somehow or another, you want to come up with an idea. I got some T-shirts to give away. I'm going to have some other like you know swag to give away. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm I'm all about it, and yes, we are gonna have. You know, I'm saying with the next probably with the next two weeks or so, we're gonna have phone lines. Um, we're gonna have uh, you know, all kinds of integrated stuff. You know, video, so on and so forth, and and you know, keep looking at at both uh, the Facebook page and the web pages because there's new information, new stuff. I mean, Cannabis Network Radio's you know website has evolved tremendously over the last few weeks. Um, you know, and, and again, Cannabis Network Media Group is, is I just kind of launched a Weed Not Great as well. All that's going to be evolving and things are going to be putting in and more information is going to be coming out. And, you know, we're going to be doing like video. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, we're going to be out there in the next, I'm going to say within the next 60 days, um, you know, going place to place, getting some videos, talking to people, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, one of those, uh, you know, like we're going to be out there doing stuff and we're going to be interactive. You know, Dave, gonna... That's that's when the panic hour has our most fun is being out doing videos. We originally started at Occupy Philadelphia as embedded reporters. We were putting videos out there daily, getting out in the street and talking to people is important. And I encourage you, the listener, if you have video skills, web skills, you're a writer, you want us to come through your town on the Weed Not Greed tour, give us a holler at the website. We're all over the website. We're all over the social media pages. Send us a message. You need help. We want you to put the Cannabis Network media bat signal into the sky, and we'll come there, and we'll help you, and we'll help you raise awareness, because that's what we do, and we do it really well. So we're here for you. This, you know, as much fun as it is to be on the show and to travel around and to smoke great marijuana and to do really cool things, you know, we are working very hard, too, and we're working very hard to change, the, you know, what people think about, 
you know, the marijuana business. And, you know, when we're on site at these events and we're covering things and we're bringing you information, we're out there doing this, you know, to get as much awareness towards uh, the legalization of marijuana as possible. So we ask for your support as much as possible. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, support is crucial all around, you know, both financial, uh, spiritual, um, you know, just e- even like, you know, if you want us to come to your city, we don't even need hotels. We don't need restaurants. We don't need whatever. We need a place to crash and, you know, a roof over our head and, and, and a some hand food. Job. And a hand job. And a hand job for Ed. Oh, no. Whoa. 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 Wait a minute. No, no. no. Sorry, okay. sir. No, that was inappropriate. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know what? I I listened to way way too much Stern growing up, (laughs) and I think that, you know, he would always get involved with his wacky engineers and the people involved in the studio, so maybe I should just leave that alone. You know, I'm done with him. He's done. We're done. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) Um, So, Dave, one last question. I have it from, and then we're going to go into pot shots, which, you know, we'll explain a little bit. Um, You're president. You wake up. You go into the Oval Office, you pack the presidential morning pipe. What's the first thing you do? What's the first thing you change in this country? I bring back, uh, you know, listen, I know there's a political agenda for, for foreign aid and foreign support and things like that, but, you know, we're, we're a country with a lot of people that are suffering on so many different levels, from improper health care to poor education, um, to children going hungry. Um, uh, firstly, I would stop sticking our nose into business we don't belong in. Um, nice, Dave. I, I, I totally agree with I that. Would take, I would take the trillions of dollars we spend on military spending for, for hostility and battles and put it into bettering our country and bettering our own internal social services to truly help the people that need help. Um, and to become, you know, the, the country that, that, you know, truly does look out for its people. And once we get ourselves situated and we're back to that point where, where all of our, all the citizens of our country are, are healthy and well and have the best resources of, of everything available to them, um, then I'll worry about helping other countries and, and doing things like that. You know, honestly, what I say to people is, listen, I, I used to be, you know, someone that, that was very angry. I had a lot of rage issues. I had this, I had that. But then I have also learned one thing also is that one of the t- picture who, who's someone that who's someone that, that right now you can think of that, that you despise, that you hate, that you like would, would wish the worst whatever upon. Okay. Uh, Just U S assistant district attorney, Richard okay. Goldberg, okay. Eastern district okay. of Pennsylvania. So now let's say without being tackled by his like security detail, you're able just to walk over to the guy and give him a hug and ser- seriously, give him a genuine hug, look him in the face and say, I forgive you. Like, how do you think that would affect him? Uh, to be honest, I think that, uh, he may have traded his soul into like the Illuminati at some he, point. He, so he, I don't think he, he would may, care. he may have, but that's, you know, that's part of the society of where it's become. You know, my my goal would be to, again, education across the board. And I'm not just talking about, you know, a high school or college education or things like that. To educate people how to be human would definitely be a top priority. Yeah, we're, I think we're losing touch with humanity, Dave, to be honest. Absolutely. I mean, I, you, like, you know, like the, listen, the you know, when, when people, when, when, completely when people have relationships... Now, when people have relationships and people have things like that and they can like, you know, share the most intimate things or, or like, you know, discussions or fights without talking to somebody and just text them. We have lost complete interpersonal communication skills with one another. You know, I, I posted a meme a while back about the zombie apocalypse. And what it showed is a group of people walking down the street all texting and on their phone. You know, and that's really what it is. We, we have lost interpersonal communication as great as the digital age is and the ease of access to information, et cetera, et cetera. We have lost a very significant part of touch with interpersonal relationships and reality. I completely agree with that, Dave. As much as I'm thankful for, you know, the panic hours, I literally, literally ran out of my small apartment in South Philadelphia and we've reached you know, close to 100,000 people a week via social media. And I'm very thankful for that. But you know what? Remember when we were in high school, Dave, and you had to get the sweaty palms and ask oh, yes. a girl to uh, to a dance? Uh, you know, I don't think they're dealing with that, you know, out here anymore. And I feel no, like, but, uh, 
but you, you know, know what? Changing everything. As much as I like what I do, and as I say, you know, I'm telling her talking on the show and have my voice behind something, you know, and it took me a couple of years to put my voice behind something, you know, and that's one step to do the radio show. I love, I mean, as you can tell, I love being out there with people and talking to people and being present. I love, I love the interaction with people because for me, I am somebody that can captivate people and talk to people and, and, and motivate people but I'm much more effective doing it when I'm looking at them. I mean, do you remember on Sunday when we were at in Boston and I got up there to talk like right in between uh, Danny and Rick and I got up there and like there's what a few thousand people there and like with the hair, everyone was quiet. Like it wasn't even like, like everyone wanted to hear what we had to say. And that is one of those things that, that, that inspires me. People want to hear the messaging that we put out there, that I put out there, that the other people, speakers there, you know, put out there. They wanted to hear what we had to say. And you can't get that. You don't really know when you put something on Facebook or Twitter or, or on the radio. You don't know how many people are listening to what you have to say. You don't know what it is. When you're there and you see it and you can and you can assert yourself and put yourself in a position where you're making a difference that's visible and noticeable, I, that's absolutely the way to go as far as I'm concerned. It's the, it's the most rewarding part of it, Dave. Like, I was uh, kind of going through a rut over the last couple of weeks. I wasn't feeling very good. I wasn't really inspired with my work. And, uh, you know, as an artist, I feel like I have to really want to be doing what I'm doing it for, for it to work. And uh, I was speaking up in Lancaster at a hemp rally on Saturday, and I woke up out of bed, and I didn't want to go. And you know what? I fucking got in the car. I drove out there. And, you know, I gave a six-minute speech that had people laughing and thanking me. And, you know, just to get that re-inspiration being out in the streets, you know, uh, I wouldn't just partner with anyone. Um, you know, I'm doing fairly well by myself. And I, uh, you know, seeing that we have a lot of the same thoughts, been through a lot of the same struggles, you know, I, this is just a, a bromance in the making. With, well, uh, I mean, and obviously I inspired you as well, and you inspired me. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, you have a, a certain kinship that, that, you know, as I say, you know, after, you know, meeting each other for a couple times and really having a certain connection, you kind of know the vibe of the people that are going to make a difference. You know, the kind of the vibe. I and mean, we've already spoke to a few people. They come, they talk to us, they say, I want to do this, 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 and this. And then like we, they speak for like 45 minutes and they're done. And we're like, well, that was a whole lot of just saying what they wanted to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually, actually doing it is uh, actually the most rewarding part of it. So we do encourage all our listeners that after you get stoned and listen to this show, Go out in your community. There's plenty of like-minded people out there. Use the tools of the Internet to connect with others in your area and go out and try to make a difference on a local level because I never believed in that. I used to feel, like, overwhelmed by how fucked up everything was. Or even set and something up. I would up. say to myself, there's nothing I can do. And then I started banding with people on a local level and fighting to change the laws. And we went from Pennsylvania from having some bullshit bill floating around to banging enough pots and pans in the streets that, you know, we're now, you know, creeping around Harrisburg trying to get marijuana legalized. So the power truly is in the, pa in the hands of the people. You just need to take it back. The, the, the power is in the hands of people, and I, and I want to give it to them, and I want to inspire people to go ahead and, and, and take that initiative. And I feel that, you know, when we go out there and we talk to people and we show ourselves and we show people what we're willing to do, um, you know, and how we do it and how outspoken we are about what we believe in, um, it does inspire people, and that's why I'm so much looking forward to getting out on the Weed Not Greed tour, and why you know I made the choice to now you know really you know devote myself to like you know the eastern side of the United States and the Northeast and and whatever as opposed to you know going out to the West Coast because they don't need me you know the West Coast got their stuff together yeah they sure they need activism you know whatever and I'm not discounting that but you know what until I start seeing both you know, my home city of Baltimore and, and, you know, places around there that are important to me, you know, become legal and people aren't being oppressed, then I feel that that's where I need to focus and, and, and do my things and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I am really going to, uh, my intentions and my goal for everything really is, is I'm giving everything 110% 
um, because I'm going to see this through. I'm, I'm going to see this to the end and I'm not giving up. I'm not going away. I'm not, you know, tucking my tail between my legs and I'm putting everything I have uh, into it, you know, and that's why, you know, I, I, the, the Cannabis Network Media Group, my vision is very simple. I want people from all around that are, you know, journalists, you know, both, you know, what they call, you know, people reporters. You know, look, there's going to be options for people to send in their video clips, their, you know, their blogs, their information, everything. I want everyone to be a part of this, to, to be able to give information uh, about what's happening all over the United States in every little town, in every little thing. You know, people's rights are being violated. They feel the hurt. They feel oppressed by something. You know, let us know. You know, honestly, I, you know, I was going to say, too, you know, you wanted to think about doing something or how you want to do something is, you know what, if you're afraid to have a voice and you want someone like Poe or myself or other activists to come out, all you really have to do is don't be afraid to send an email. My, my, my opinion on things is if you don't ask someone for something, you're never going to get a yes or no answer. You know, uh, people have said to me, well, Dave, I don't know, if, like, you know, we're such a small group. Listen, as long as you go ahead and get me to where I need to be and I don't need to go first class and I don't need this and you put a roof over my head and you give me three meals a day, I'll meet with 10 people in Starbucks or wherever the case is and I'll talk to y'all. You know, I'll talk to 10 people. I'll talk to 10,000 people. I'll talk, you know, like whatever, it, you know, it, you know, five people, a handful of people, you want to get something started, reach out to me, another activist, anyone, you know, anyone you want. And, you know, granted, we can't always do things pro bono, but we sure as hell will give you as much time as we can, you know, and, and, and do things to help you get motivated and organized in your area. Just reach out to us and, and ask us. Yeah, and we're going to be giving people a little taste of what Weed Not Greed is going to be like when uh, you come up here in a few weeks and we're going to be traveling around the Upper East Coast and making some spot, some stops. Yeah, we're uh, doing with D.C. Some and New York. We're going to put together some videos and get them out, and we're starting to... Stuff going to be putting a visual face on Cannabis uh, Network Media Group, which is yep. going to be fun because being in front of the camera and talking to people, you know, getting out on the streets is uh, what it's all about. And so we're putting together, that, probably, and we're putting together a great core team too. And I'm really excited about that. We have some great people coming in. We got big meeting tomorrow about some, you know, really big steps we're going to be taking. Um, you know, I'm really excited about opportunities that are being given to us by different organizations out there as well. I mean, you know, we, you know. There's a lot that's going to be coming, and, and, you know, we're not the little guy anymore. <laughs> yeah, so it's exciting uh, for everyone. No one else is exciting, Dave. On Wednesday, we're coming back with Rick Kuzik, who, I mean, is a legend, uh, you know, among legends. He is, he is actually one of my uh, biggest, uh, I'm going to say, mentors when it comes to advocacy, because that's a dude that gets up and just says how it is. And he doesn't care. And not the matter he doesn't care. Of course he cares. He has passion behind it. And I'm not saying you don't care. It's it's that mentality of this is who I am and this is what I believe in. And you're going to hear what I have to say. And that's, you know, and, and he does it with, I, I you know, I, I he's it's, one it's of those. inspirational to watch, to watch abs- him. I, the first absolutely. time I saw him was at Boston Freedom And, I, and I will tell you. Is so full life. And I will tell you to be able to actually be the person that, that gave over the mic to Rick at the freedom route, you know, like whatever to segue into him up to 420, like that was something that, that was an honor that I can't even explain to people, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, I'm up there like speaking between Danny Danko and Rick Kusick and then there's me, <laughs> you know, like some people don't understand the magnitude of that, but I do, you know, and that, and that to me is, it was a really great honor and it was a very humbling experience to be able to be there. And even, you know, both, in Boston, you know, on on I guess now it's uh, been renamed from Mount Mary Jane to uh, in, in memory of uh, you know Mount Malta, but uh, Malta Malta. I'm not exactly sure. Different people pronounce it a different way. But tomato, uh, tomato, there, Kowalski. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah. Um, just a quick you know shout out and tribute, man, to him. But uh, yeah, to be up there where like you know the Boston Tea Party happened, where we fought for our freedom and independence, our forefathers stood and, and fought for our freedom and independence, be able to speak in between people like Danny Danko and Rick Husick and be able to have a message heard, that was humbling. And then to be able to be in Philadelphia at Independence, you know, Mall or Plaza or Park, whatever the hell that place is called, mm-hmm. right by the Liberty Bell, a thousand yards from Independence Hall, again to do the same thing, it's a very humbling experience. 
you know, but it's also one of those things that, that not many people have the opportunity to do because you know what, I'm a true son of Liberty and freedom. And it's something I'm going to stand up and fight for and continue to fight for. Yeah. So fucking, we got real up close and personal with you tonight, Dave. I feel like the listener is probably, you know, curled up in the fetal position thinking about you at this point. Uh, all our listeners out there. So it was nice to get to the softer side of Dave. We're returning on Wednesday with Rick Kuzik. Check out WeNotGreed.com. Check out the Cannabis Network information site. Check out the Cannabis Network radio site. And look for Smokedown Prohibition 10 coming your way from the Panic Hour on October 26th. Yes. We and encourage I'll, you to dress up. And I will say, whoever is within a two-hour, three-hour driving distance of Philadelphia, um, you know, it's a Saturday. Make plans to go there. You know, I want, I want, I want to hear that five hundred, a thousand people were there. We need that to happen. And we any, wish, Dave. And I think that once we get up, you know, our stuff rolling a lot, we're going to be able to. There's no reason. Stuff up there's like no reason why it shouldn't. Between New York, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in a whole, Baltimore, Maryland, you know, uh, Delaware. There's no reason why you should not have. You know what? I'm going to say this. It will be an embarrassment to the movement and anyone who's listening to this podcast show download. If you can get there and you don't go there, you're doing the wrong thing. I agree, Dave. And thank you for that uh, plug for our wonderful, wonderful civil disobedience action in Philadelphia that you will be a part of from now on uh, after this month. So we're looking forward to having you on board in Philly where we are building an all-star <laughs> team of activists. Scott Gasick from the Daily Chronic. Dave, the whole fully normal and panic hour crew. Uh, the state of Pennsylvania is is up from a you know for a fight from a from a weird little group of people working for change. So yep. look for that. All right, man. Well, Poe, thank right, you well, for having me on my show. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was great, Dave. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning into Cannabis Network Radio. We will see you on Wednesday night at eight p.m. with the legendary Rick Kuzik. And thank have a great you. night. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Be sure to check out our podcast on iTunes. Uh, download us, rate us, support us, uh, write something nice about us. Um, thank you, everyone, for all of your support. We couldn't do it without you. Have a safe night. Have a good night. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.